Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, worship team. Yeah, great, great is thy faithfulness uh, of God to us, Hillcrest family. Um, yeah, the, the power of what that means, that he, he is faithful. He is faithful in our lives. Um, I was reading, reading something this week, and, uh, and it was a quote from uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, one of the characters describes sometimes uh, it feels like it's always winter and never Christmas. Uh, just the challenges, just the challenges uh, and the circumstances that bombard us week to week, day to day, um, and, and the challenges facing Israel right now. I don't know if you've been tracking in the news, just, uh, um, yeah, that nation, God's people being afflicted right now and the challenges, and we're thankful we've been grafted in and thankful for God's grace to us in that sense. Uh, but the challenges, challenges that maybe you <laughs> woke up facing um, and, uh, and his faithfulness in the midst of that uh, are new every morning. Um, and, and simultaneously, his faithfulness in the positives, his faithfulness in, in uh, the joys of life and the, the grace he continues to show. Uh, because this afternoon... From one to three, our men are getting together to uh, eat chili together and play cornhole. So if you haven't signed up, it is not too late. I'd encourage you to show up uh, on campus here uh, for a little competitive opportunity of cornhole, as well as uh, voting on different guys' chili. And uh, collective joy, uh, the idea of triple treat. I love that we get to... Um, and Josh is going to give me, oh, there it is. Josh is going to give me permission. And Triple Treat, thank you so much for uh, the candy that you guys have already generously gave, that we get to be this living proof of a loving God uh, to show God's grace and his kindness and mercy through an event like this. And so thank you for what you're doing. And you can pick up a map. We're shifting towards more of a neighborhood approach. And so each neighborhood contains uh, an entire Triple Treat experience. And then we're coming back on our campus for a grand finale. So I'd encourage you both, thank you for the candy as well as serving in some possible way. Um, well, this Sunday's text is interesting uh, because the illustration Jesus is going to give us this morning is of a hen uh, and what a hen elicits in your mind. So I'm not sure where your mind goes when you hear mother hen. Um, but a hen is a beautiful, beautiful animal, but not necessarily the one that we might most closely identify with. And so uh, we'll see if there's a chance, I think there is, there's a high probability that I will hold a hen for the second time in my entire life. <laughs> All right, let's see how this transfer goes. Hold it like a football. Oh! oh, all right, let's get that wing. Get that wing. All right, I learned. Oh, man, one more time. Help me with that wing. First service, there was cleanup on aisle seven over here. What about that wing? How about that wing, too? There we go. Second time in my life holding a hand. But the illustration Jesus gives us this morning is one that maybe it's not one we would anticipate. We might think, Jesus, give us a bear. 
Give us, give us an eagle. We, we want an eagle's wings. And, and yet the illustration he's going to give us this morning is, is one of a hen. And, uh, and so if, if you've encountered a hen maybe sometime in your life, that there is a beauty to this illustration that a mother hen does care for her vulnerable chicks and, and will seek after giving them protection. Uh, that there is a sense that they provide and nurture and, and want to provide this mother's care. Uh, the, the idea that they will not let any of their chicks feel abandoned, but will seek to gather them. And then, should they face a predator, they will guard those stranded so they are not facing the fox alone. I, I remember my first encounter with kind of, a, it was a mother goose, and uh, I was playing at a playground with one of my daughters, and we were having a good time. Little did we know, we stumbled upon a nest, and that Mother, let us know that we had gotten a little too close. And, and though I had an umbrella in my hand, and I would say I was uh, a superior uh, height and breadth, that mother had no problem letting us know where we needed to move to. And, and so this morning, the overriding metaphor that Jesus wants us to see coming out of the previous text it is that of a mother's hen. And so I want to read the text with us this morning. We're in Luke 13. But hear the weight of what Jesus is actually inviting us into about how he sees his desire to care for us. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures, and today and tomorrow and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We're going to see this morning three desires, three different desires, and, and, and showing us, Luke is inviting us into, seeing and expanding our awareness of Jesus' care and love for us as a mother hen, so that we continue to deepen our trust in who he is for us, to deepen our trust in him. So pray with me, and, and we will jump into the text together. God, you are so good. Thank you for who you are, what you're doing in our lives, and, uh, and the metaphor, the illustration you have for us this morning. Help us feel the weight of what it means that you relate yourself as to a mother hen caring for her chicks. Help us feel your care and provision a little bit more fully this morning. Always for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's see how the transfer goes. All right. Well done. Well done. Awesome. Awesome. And it didn't poop on me, right? So just a few feathers. Just a few feathers. Thanks, Jeremy. Ah, so here's where we're headed this morning. Three desires. And if you're note takers... 
The first two we're not going to spend as much time on as it is the third one we are going to hit when we see Jesus' desire. But the other desires are in there. It, it does seem that the text is centering around different desires. Herod's desire, instead of exploring his curiosity of Jesus' salvation with joy, wants to kill him. Then we see the desire of the people of Jerusalem, instead of eagerly embracing him as their Messiah, again, they will... Uh, they will, and he moves towards the cross, wants to kill him. But third, Jesus throughout the text shows us his desire is to happily protect and provide for all those who accept him as their deliverer. So Herod is where we start. Herod, Herod's desire is shown. And instead of exploring his curiosity, we're seeing that he wants to kill Jesus. At that very same hour, that very hour, some Pharisees came to him and said, so we're still in the flow of last week's text, the narrow door and the weight of what it meant that there is this exclusivity in Christ. That's the scenario. And some Pharisees came to him and said, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. Now, it, Luke doesn't tell us more details. Sometimes you might picture the Pharisees as a monolith. That, that they're just all the same, and, and they just get beat up in all the Gospels. And yet here, it seems that there are some positive or good Pharisees. Now, you could interpret it differently. You could say, well, they're just trying to move Jesus away because they don't want to deal with what he's bringing in the commotion. But Luke doesn't tell us that. He just says, at that same hour, Pharisees came and said to him, and it appears, looking out for his safety, Get away from here because someone wants to kill you. And so here's just the encouragement. Again, how we view Pharisees, do we see them all in the same light? Much like how we might see people we encounter in our day-to-day, -day, do we have presuppositions about who they are and how they might never be able to change? Instead, not seeing people as this monolith, here's Pharisees. How do we treat people, treating people, each having a different story in their life? Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. We saw that earlier. That's a real threat. John the Baptist was beheaded by Herod. And so there is a real sense that when Herod wanted to see Jesus earlier in the text, it wasn't just a, hey, I'd like to catch up and grab coffee. This threat is now continuing to increase. And Jesus says, go tell that fox. So fox in the sense that is it cunning and deceptive, or in comparison to a lion, Jesus is saying, uh, I'm, not, I'm not impacted by this guy. I'm not worried. A fox is a minor character. And so Jesus says, go tell that fox. Herod's desire, though, and this is the brief history lesson, if you guys remember, King Herod the Great divided his kingdom, and, uh, and he gave different portions of his kingdom. We're dealing with Herod Antipas. That's who we're encountering today, who was overseeing this Galilean uh, region right there, the purple region right there is the division that he was given. And so he's the guy we've been interacting with most. And so Herod has this desire, and it's not a positive desire. He, he is longing to cause harm. The second group we encounter, the desire of the people of Jerusalem. Instead of eagerly embracing him as the Messiah, we're going to see it moves towards the cross throughout Luke. There's this desire where they're not embracing him. Here's how Jesus describes that. 
That very hour, some of the Pharisees came to them and said, get away from here. Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. And, and here's what Jesus says about those people. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together and you were not willing. And so what, what do we know about Jerusalem? It's a great city. This is the city where the glory of God dwells. This is a holy city. This is in that temple. God's presence was manifest. And, and, and so we recognize this is a great city. And yet how does Jesus refer to the people? He says, how often I would have gathered your children, and yet you were not willing. Jesus instead seems to say the defining characteristic of Jerusalem is this rejection of truth. That prophet after prophet called Israel to long to find safety and protection. And Jesus says, you have constantly rejected this truth. And so Jesus then shows us his desire. We see the desire of Herod, the desire of these, this Jerusalem, and then Jesus. Jesus' desire is to happily protect and provide for all those who accept him as their deliverer. And so right at the beginning, Jesus shows his desire that he isn't going to back down. Here's what he says. That very same hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. But he said, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures. And today and tomorrow and the third day, I finish my course. Jesus is not intimidated, though this is a political figure. Jesus didn't come as a tyrant, as a, as a political figure, as a warrior. He came to bring in the kingdom. And he says, I'm not going to be intimidated by anyone. I'm not going to back down. And so what strikes me is, <laughs> man, do we feel the weight of that? Sometimes it feels like as God's people, there's a sense that the cancel culture overwhelms us. <laughs> that, that we can't even utter the name of Jesus for fear of how someone might respond. And yet what we see in Jesus, he isn't intimidated. He isn't backing down. Though, does it seem like there's a real threat? I'll ask one more time. Second service. I think I love you guys. You're like, hey, we slept in a little bit, David. Give us a break. Go and tell that fox. Does it feel like there's a real threat from, for Jesus' life? Get away because Herod wants to kill you. And yet Jesus doesn't back down. He doesn't feel intimidated. Instead, he says, I am going to continue. And I don't think he means third day. I don't think we should read into that. There's the crucifixion. I think what he's just trying to tell us is there's movement heading today and tomorrow. And the third day, I finish my course. And he says, in order to finish that course, I'm going to die to fulfill this mission. Here's what he says. Go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons, perform cures today and tomorrow. On the third day, I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. 
He's trying to encourage his people. He's trying to encourage them. And he's telling them, I I am going to die to fulfill this mission. I must go on my way. And he is aware of what's waiting for him in Jerusalem. And there's a little irony. In the city, this holy city, that's where they're going to kill the Messiah. And he is fully aware of that direction. And then he raises this tension between compassion and lament and yet justice. Here's what he says. He's going to show us he mourns for those missing him and holds those accountable who reject him. Here's what he said. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Hey, and if you're new to this, this, I stinking love this. All we do, this is crazy, right? All we do is open up a biblical text that we believe was written 2,000 years ago and yet still has relevance for our life. Is that crazy? Is that crazy to anybody else? That, that we're reading something that was written 2,000 years ago and all we do on Sundays just read it. Believe in these are the very words of God. And I've told you this illustration. I just struck by this. I just believe maybe someone's supposed to hear this right now. I often tell you this, right? You could tell me, Fred, you could tell me Casey loves me. And is it true? It's true. My wife loves me. But if I heard from Casey for myself, she said, David, I love you. Changes everything. All we're trying to do We read the biblical text to hear from the God of the universe. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. In the midst of the other voices we're bombarded by, Jesus is shouting out, and we're going to see it right here. He loves us. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen who gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Last week, what did we hear? We heard about the narrow door and and the emotions that might be elicited by that. For some, when they think about how God views them, there's two overriding emotions. They think somehow God is angry with them and they've disappointed him. And, And so coming right off of the narrow door text, what's the overriding emotion we hear from Jesus? This mourning and lament and compassion as to have gathered Israel under his wings. His desire is to provide and protect and care. And he mourns and laments for those that choose to do otherwise. That pursue lesser joys in life. That that settle or just overwhelmed by, by the anxiousness or pain or sadness of life. And so he mourns that loss. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. When you think of those who have yet to treasure Christ, are you filled with sadness? Is there a mourn and a lament you feel for for the pain of those around us? And he says, how often I would have gathered your children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. And he says, if that's your choice, I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to coerce you. You were unwilling to find shelter. You were unwilling to put me on the throne of your heart. And so behold, your house is forsaken. When he says house, I don't think that means temple. I don't think that's referring to the destruction of the temple in AD 70. I think that's kind of a general term, your house, that the, the nation you have chosen. And so your house is forsaken. Another way to say that, your house is yours. You can have it. 
I'm giving you. You don't want me to sit on the throne of your heart. You don't want me to dwell in your house. Your house is yours, if that is your choice. But then he makes this beautiful promise, if we see it in there. Jesus happily cares for all those who accept him. Here's what he says. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. When you wake up in the morning, when you go to sleep, what is that thing that maybe still starts to spark some level of anxiety or, 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 or pain or grief in your life? What, what is that? And, and, and does Jesus' wings extend far enough to cover you from that? So we're going to go back to that. What was that for you? I want to go here for one second. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What's that mean? So, and I know you guys, you already know this. You guys know I don't have a, that I'm still in process too. You guys believe that? So there's sometimes I get to biblical text and I go, I don't know what this means. So I'm going to preface it there. I don't know what this means, but I'm going to give you a few options. I scoured a bunch of commentaries, and and I still feel like the jury's out. But here's the beauty. We're all trying to work through this biblical text to understand because we believe if we can understand it, we are hearing the very mind of God. Jesus says this, I tell you, you will not see me. So there's something that matters about this. To the Jews who are their houses forsaken, this time matters. This is important because Jesus is saying, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What did he mean to that original audience? I feel like there could be four options. One, what comes before Easter? Palm Sunday. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, Fred. Palm Sunday. We're going to see this very quote. When Jesus enters into Jerusalem, the people are going to shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The challenge with that is, what happens just a few days later? (laughs) It's not positive. So, could that be an option? Second, might it mean just when Jesus conquers death and is raised to life, blessed is he. You see him raised in your life. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Or might it be at some day, Paul tells us in Romans, we get to see a, a revitalization of the nation of Israel coming to the Messiah. Might it be at some future date, there's a, a recognition of blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Or... Might it be that he's looking ahead to the second coming when Jesus returns again and and all eyes will see and there will be a recognition. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, the only challenge that seems like there will be some that will not be proclaiming that as fully. And so which one is it? I don't know. A a wrestle. And if you're up for it in your life groups, I hope you get to work through it. But here's what's unmistaken. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? What's unmistaken is Jesus cares for and protects and provides those under her wings, under his wings. But 
what might be uh, in need of growth is what? The degree to which we experience that. It's unmistakable that Jesus says, I want to provide and care and protect you. And yet our experience of that reality might still be growing. And so uh, I just want to walk through that a little bit. Monday matters. And we long to rest a little bit more fully under his wings. What is that for you? For you in your heart, your mind that starts to maybe stir up a little anxiety in your life. That, that maybe starts to just make you a little uncomfortable that, that it's not quite where you'd want it to be. Maybe it's relationship with your grandkids and decisions they're making. Maybe it's relationships that, that just cause a level of tension. Casey's been out of town this week. She was out of town from Wednesday. Uh, she gets back this afternoon. There have been opportunities uh, this week in my parenting ability to rest a little bit more fully under his wings. <laughs> And so the question then for us, Jesus is gathering his people and people respond. If you've never ultimately found rest under his wings, I would say there's no other decision more important than finding safety and security under his wings ultimately for eternity. To put your faith and trust in him, to treasure him above anything else this life has to offer. And then in this journey of that, there are still areas in our life that haven't fully been covered. We are still in process. And so I'd encourage us, we recognize the areas of our lives where Jesus' wings are not covering us and still may be exposed. That we, there's shame or guilt we still carry. That there's anxiety that starts to arise. There's a, a, a sadness that is unwarranted, and yet it, it overwhelms us at times. We recognize areas of our lives where Jesus' wings are not covering us and still might be exposed. Maybe there's anger and frustration that just, just flare up in, in certain circumstances, and we're not resting as fully. Here's what Andrew Murray encourages us. We must begin to believe that God in the mystery of prayer has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and can bring its power down to earth. We're convinced prayer is the work. <laughs> Do you believe God is at work when we pray with desperate dependence for him to move? And so here'd be my encouragement this week. We find some time to ask Jesus to empower us to more fully experience his loving protection. We long for him to cover those areas of our life under his wings. And we find some time to ask Jesus to empower us to more fully lament and mourn those who reject his loving protection. Where's your heart go when someone has less interest in Jesus? Jesus cries out, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that's killed and stoned the prophets, his heart was lamenting and mourning that reality. I'd encourage you, find some time this week to pray, to ask Jesus to empower us to more fully lament and mourn those, that who, those who reject his loving protection. But I hope we're an action-oriented community. I hope there's movement. And so I would encourage us, find some time to spark curiosity with those that are on your pray watch list. You might even be in this room because you're on someone's pray watch list, that someone is praying for your life and they're longing that you would come to know Jesus. And so 
we encourage? What would it look like for us to spark curiosity around our Jesus? So I'm going to invite the worship team up, and I want to read a prayer over us, with us, for us. It comes from a guy on the Gospel Coalition about 10 years ago wrote this thing. And so I just want to read it. You're more than welcome to sit and, and let this wash over you, or you can read it in your heart as I read it aloud. But the weight of what it means that Jesus gives us this illustration of a mother hen. So pray with me. Most glorious Lord Jesus, of all the pictures you've painted and the metaphors you've used to help us understand who you are and how you love, I have to admit, Mother Hen never made its way into my top five. It never garnished a lingering gaze. And yet, as I ponder it this morning, such a description profoundly endears you to my heart and makes me want to know you and worship you all the more. That you would even choose such an image reveals the beauty of your longings, the depth of your affection, and the intensity of your engagement in our lives. It also reveals how fragile, how vulnerable and foolish I can be as one of your chicks. Jesus, I praise you today for your ongoing commitment to gather me because prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Keep running after me. Keep running after me. Jesus, when I drift naively and when I roam wantonly to places I have no business exploring, Jesus, I praise you today that, like a mother hen, you gather me and place me under your wings, next to your heart, not under your feet and scorn. You are such a compassionate, kind, tender Savior. How foolish I am to think otherwise. How foolish I am to think there's any better place to be in time and in space and under your wings in the embrace of your grace. Though a nursing mother may even forget her suckling child, you will never, ever forget or forsake one of your chicks. Because the gospel is true and powerful, I am willing, I am so very willing to be gathered today along with my brothers and sisters next to your hearts. So very am, I pray in your name, Jesus May we hear a little bit more fully what it means to find safety and security in your wings. Whatever might be afflicting or weighing on us this week, may we run to shelter for provision and protection and care. And you promise to guard us under your wings. Thank you, Jesus, always for your glory, we pray.